This episode of the local bar is brought to you by Upside. If you've not tried the Upside app, you are just you're basically missing out on free cash if you put gas into a car. And it doesn't matter if it is uh, your card or like a company card. Let's say you let's say you're uh, you're a rep, sales rep. I know that deal. And you've got a company card. It doesn't matter which credit card you use, whether it's the companies or not. The money that is offered is not a discount. It is actual cash that is added to your own personal account. So you use the company credit card to buy gas. That $0.14 a gallon that you get goes directly into your account. If you have not tried Upside, they work not only at gas stations, but at different convenience stores and even restaurants and grocery stores in your area. It is very easy to use. Once you download the app, plug your information in, look for the places that offer the best savings, go at it. Uh, If you use the promo code CHAD2563 when you sign up, again, CHAD2563, you get an extra 10 cents on top of what you're already saving for that next fill-up. Plus, you get an extra five cents over the next 10 fill-ups that you have. you got to give it a shot. It is one of the easiest ways to put a little pocket change aside. You'll be amazed at how quickly it adds up. So check out the Upside app today. You're listening to The Local Bar Podcast with your host, Chad Alexander. Come on in. We have a lot of friends we want you to meet. Well, hello there. From beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina, located right in the heart of Rosewood, this is The Local Bar. I'm your host, Chad Alexander, and of all the places you could be, you've decided to spend some time with us today. For that, we are incredibly grateful. How you doing? Local Bar can be found on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, wherever you get your good and your bad podcast. If you want to follow us on the social media, is the best place to do that, and really the only place to do that is our Facebook page, Local Bar media over on the facebook's comments questions concerns condolences requests for better guests if there's someone that you would like to be a guest on the show or if uh you would like to be a guest on the show or if you want to hear better guests and want to tell us about how you're tired of hearing about don merkel uh give us i'm just kidding uh give us a shout chad at localbarmedia.com i am I am on the verge. I'm on the, I could not be more excited. I am on the verge of a great adventure. The adventure that we have decided we are taking every year. Every year. Oh, I can't wait. I talk about it all the time. My friends go, probably, I've, dri- I've driven them nuts. We've mentioned it a million times on this show. But next week, Monday morning, Maria and I, along with our two very good friends, Marlena and Jeremy, who have all four decided this is a lifetime endeavor, will be joined by Mike and Aaron, two other friends of ours who have not been on this yet. And we are heading off to Miami to hop on the rock boat, the world's greatest floating music festival. It is uh, a five, six, seven day trip. I don't know. We're gone till next Sunday. And it's uh it's awesome because it is a it's a cruise where they take all the cruise stuff out 
And they make everything just a stage. There's stages all over that cruise ship. Some really big, some small, some for singer-songwriters, some for acoustic sets, some for just absolutely rocking out. Music starts at 10, ends at 3 every night, and you wake up and do it again the next day. Oh, my God. Nothing will make you, number one, relax more, enjoy more than being locked on a cruise ship where if you are worried about something, doesn't matter. You can't do a damn thing about it. It's it's on land. You'll have to deal with it in six days. And that's it, 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 kind of hard for a couple of people, but I'll tell you, it only takes a couple of drinks in, and then you're bought into it, and you're, and you're sailing. So we're, we're heading off on that. It is something that I, I really love because I find it's, it's a great time for me to really be able to connect with my wife, and it's something that we need greatly. Um because of the way the past six months have been more on that in a minute. But uh, it's also an opportunity for me to spend time with some friends that I really care a lot about. And I, I really don't get that much time with them. And Marlene and Jeremy are two people very special to me. Um, and our, our lives have kind of collided in a way. And it's been great to have them as friends. But because of the way life and kids and all that crap works, we're, we're not around them as much as we'd like to be. So it's a chance for us just to be around each other and we and the four of us have great kids but to do it without the kids too just allows for there to be focus and we love music and so it's great these are these are my favorite music going people and uh jeremy is the one that is really was bold enough to, to, to look at me as like we're doing this every year I'm like yep we, we absolutely are so um we could not be more excited uh so uh saying that even though we've kicked off the year pretty strong we are taking a break next week but don't worry, we're coming back pretty hot and heavy over the next few weeks right after uh, next week. So uh, sad to not be with you, but we will be back soon. I want to thank Don, uh, Don Merkel for sitting down with me last week. It's great. I do get a lot of emails about Don, and there's always a lot about his music. And I know there's many of you that listen to his music, but you don't get a chance to really hear him. Uh, so it's great just to be able to sit down. Don's just a, he's a great guy. So I, I like hanging out with him. If you've ever wondered, though, I want to throw this out there. If you've ever wondered about some of the stories, maybe not all about his music, but kind of surrounding his music, a couple years ago, he and I did a two-part series. It's called Rumor of a Ghost. Uh, you can go back and check it out. It's it's on all these uh, listings. You can. It's a great thing about this show. I try to keep everything up. Uh, if it is not there, you can always go to our Libsyn, Libsyn.com, and look up the show that way. Every single episode that there's ever been is up and will always be up. And except for the except for the ones that I never put out there. Um, but that rumor of a ghost one is great. If you're a big fan of Don's, I uh, want to know more about his music. Check that out. He was here in the studio uh, right down the street from our house. Uh, shout out to the Jam Room Studios, one of the, I'll call it, iconic studios in South Carolina. And... Uh, he was recording an uh, upcoming album, and it's great. It is completely different, and it's it's a very interesting take on his music. It's still his music. It's it's still his it's still his vibe there, um, but it's uh, it's a really cool uh, really cool sound. I can't wait till we start getting some of the tracks for that, and we can share that here. So, I uh, mentioned a, a second ago that Maria and I need some time to kind of connect. If you've listened to the show. Uh, I did an episode a few months back about her brother passing away. Uh, it was uh, one where it was just kind of funny. It was right around the time Jimmy Buffett passed. Both of them being Florida boys, 
uh, it was kind of funny uh, how their lives, which couldn't be more different, oddly had some similarities uh, in the way that they lived their life and, and, and what happened with them. It was a, it was kind of a, it was kind of a, it was kind of nice for me to be able to do that. I like Jay a lot. And I knew that coming into the holidays is going to be really tough for Maria. I knew she's going to have a hard time because anybody does, you know, working and in hospice and being around that stuff for so long. I, I know that no matter how much people try to brace themselves for it, going into the holidays, knowing there's an empty chair is tough. And, and, I, uh, I I go back uh, to, to, <laughs> to kind of give myself some more credit. Go back to the the first episode I ever did with my dad. Actually, I think it's the only episode I ever did with him. Um, my dad mentioned something about that being a being a pastor and trying to help people out uh, that go through those kinds of things. Uh, he he mentioned that it's very important to acknowledge acknowledge that the chair is empty. It's okay, and so. Going into the the holiday season, I I I knew I knew we were going to have to kind of keep that in mind. What I didn't realize though was uh, the loss that was going to come right before it. Uh, two days before Christmas, we were leaving our friend Ace and Jamie's house, and we got a phone call from a family member that Maria's sister had uh, tragically died. And a car accident, a single car accident. She worked a mile away from her house. She was on the way home, somehow lost control of the car, and um, was thrown from the vehicle, and it uh, and and was killed instantly. And she was um, thirty six, I believe, left behind a seven year old son. It's very very. Uh, very tragic time for our family. Now, I'm I'm not ready to do that show yet. Um, being there for my wife, trying to to make sure the family's okay, wanting to work with the other family members who have taken in uh, that. You know, you, Maria's gone from having uh, two brothers and a sister down to now having one brother. He and his wife have stepped up and really are doing a great job of of bringing. Um, her son into their their family and and just working with them and trying to spend time with everybody and and be supportive i've i've really kind of pushed my emotions aside on that they've peaked out a little bit um you know i i, I didn't know obviously i didn't grow up with jamie but i um i know how my wife feels about her and so my heart hurts a lot for that so i i've really kind of tried to compartmentalize those feelings not really address them just yet uh, but when they have peaked out, it's been kind of it's been kind of rough. So I'm not really ready to to uh, do anything on that show yet. But I wanted to bring it up because it, it does kind of hint on where I am today and why I'm doing this show. <clears throat> I hate I hate when tragedies happen, and it doesn't matter what age you are. When they do happen, they stink. I mean, let's be honest: the younger you are, sure, the the the, the more tragic. And it's one of those things that when you go to the funeral and you look at the people whose lives they touched and you can see the look on their faces and you and you kind of breathe it all in and just think about how, yeah, you're going to miss her because of the potential. Yes, the, the first things you, you, you notice are that she's not here and her son doesn't have a mom. That is poignant in, in that moment. 
But as I looked around and saw the people that I had no idea who they were, she lived in in Florida. I, I was disconnected from that community. I don't know all of her friends or the people that are in her church. And but it was it was amazing when I saw family members that I didn't know, friends that I've never you know come close to even being in the same orbit with, and you see all the people that they affect, and it it says something to you. And one of the first things it says to me is it's a damn shame that it's a funeral when you can realize that about someone. It's a damn shame that they they don't really get that graphic. They don't get that 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 picture in front of them where they can see it. You know? You've all been to funerals before. Everybody's seen this before. You you know what I'm talking about. It's a line from one of my all-time favorite movies, The Big Chill. They throw the best party for you the day you can't be there. I um I was impressed. And my heart was though it was heavy that day at Jamie's funeral, there was a part of it that that felt good. Because I knew that Jamie was loved by a lot of people. One of the most amazing things I've ever heard, too, and I'm I'm just throw this out there. That apparently the last thing Jamie ever told her mom was something to the effect of, you know, mom, I am the best I've ever been in my entire life. You talk about going out on top. Don't get me wrong, it stinks because... I felt like Jamie was really coming into her own. I can see why she felt that way. Knowing what I know about her, knowing who she was, spending some time with her at her her brother's funeral a few months before, she and I had a long talk outside, and I was was really happy for her. I felt like she was, I felt like it was moving in the right direction. But I'm I'm not here to talk about Jamie today. I'm I'm not ready to do that. But I, I do want to put that picture of the funeral in mind. <clears throat> because you gotta you gotta understand that for me to tell you what the real crux of this episode is about. Last week, uh those of us in South Carolina that uh know this guy were were struck kind of hard. Uh, a very similar incident happened. Um, a guy who, in a lot of ways, in a lot of people's lives, was a giant a man by the name of Tom Hall was driving home late one night and um, had a one-car accident. He died there on the scene. Tom was 55 years old, I believe. 55, I'm pretty sure he was. But he was, man, if there was ever a kid at heart it was Tom Hall. Now, I want to say up front that I was, I'm not the closest friend with Tom. I, I didn't really know him, but I'm, I'm not here to tell the story of Tom Hall from a close friend's perspective. I'm here to tell it from another one. Tom was a, a neat guy in South Carolina. He, he was an attorney, and he worked uh, with tons of people. He's a graduate from the Citadel, was a South Carolina boy through and through, loved hunting, uh, was really big and like some hunt clubs and some things like that. I mean, he he had his passions and you knew what they were. And the people that know him, 
may probably argue that they were probably more balanced than this, but I knew Tom from the music world, and Tom loved music. And I'm not talking about those guys that have stacks of vinyl or want to sit around and talk about the Beatles for the 85-17-time billionth time this this year i'm talking like no he he was a guy that you could see absorbed it let me put it a different way tom loved your music as a musician i can't tell you that there wasn't a time that if tom was there he came up and said something to me about how much he liked what we did and it wasn't just the thing that all of us do <laughs> like and we're all like yeah yeah man your, your stuff sounds great and sometimes you just say that to each other your real friends will tell you if you sound like crap. Tom, you could tell Tom loved it. He was very sincere. Tom loved the act of anybody putting themselves out there, though. Tom loved watching people really dive into their passion. And what was great was Tom didn't just like it. Tom gave you a stage. I'm sure there's plenty of other uh, examples, but I want to tell you the two that I know. One of them is he has a incredible restaurant in Georgetown, South Carolina called Between the Antlers. It is gorgeous. It is in one of the most beautiful settings you've ever seen. The food is fantastic. The staff is great. The wine list is amazing. The stage for a band stinks. Doesn't matter. I mean, we were basically playing on grass. Who cares? Being able to play right beside the water in Georgetown, South Carolina is amazing. And man, Tom would have bands there as often as he could. And he didn't care if you're a major label or not. He just wanted you there. My band got to play there a couple of years ago. We were supposed to play uh, a couple months ago, to be honest with you. But some, some things came up and we weren't able to. And man, don't I hate that now. But the first time I played there, uh, we came and, 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 and Bill Stevens is this incredible guy. He is a, was a bass player for that band at the time. Um, he's played with tons of bands in, in the South Carolina area. And he played with Tom and his band. It's called Tom Hall and the Plowboys. Now, let me tell you a little something about the Plowboys. I loved them because there was, like, never any practice. <laughs> Show up. We're going to just throw out some songs and we're going to do them. And they were always great. Part of it is because they were, let's just put this aside, they were really good musicians. They could pull that crap off. But uh, they just enjoyed each other. They enjoyed the moment. They didn't take anything too seriously. They didn't get worked up about it. We're getting to play music. So my band had set up. We brought our PA, had a really nice setup. And keep in mind, just to help you with the visuals here, uh, it's a really big band. Okay, We've got a drummer. We've got a full percussion player, um, congas, bongos, all that kind of stuff. Um, we've got me and my piano and then like my guitars and stuff. And then Michael, the guitar player, the actual guitar player, and then a bass player. So tons of amps and crap all over the place. Tom comes out uh, about about, uh, about 20 minutes after we've set up, and he's like, hey, I think I want to play for a little bit. It's like, okay. And he looks, he's like, Bill, we're going to play something. And Bill's like, okay. And he looks right at me and says, uh, uh, Chad, why don't you come play with us too? What are we playing? I don't know. Just we'll sit down and play something. And we sat and played for an hour. I played uh, – Piano on some stuff, a little bit of guitar, and even went and played the bongos on a couple of songs. I had a blast. 
I didn't know any of Tom's songs. We had we had a great time, and it was fun, and the crowd was there, and everybody loved it. And it just reminded me about how simple some things can be, and how some of those very simple things can be wonderful. And Tom, Tom Hall understood that. Tom Hall had another thing too. It's he. There's a Mardi Gras festival we have in Rosewood every week. I tell you that I'm here in the heart of Rosewood. If you listen to the show, I've been in all all different places in South Carolina as we as wherever the studio has been. We've been here in Rosewood now for a few years, and I love it. Rosewood is a very uh, diverse, um, kind of art leaning, uh, very open, very relaxed, funny, ridiculous part of Columbia, South Carolina, and in that area. Right by the the small airfield we have where people have like private planes and stuff. And there's a huge park. And there's a sustainable farm that's been there. Tom Hall uh, helped start a Mardi Gras festival that's there. Now, I will tell you that I've always loved downtown Columbia. We have some of the best festivals. And you never know when they're going to pop up. Because sometimes people just don't. People just don't keep up with them. Now they had that festival one year. Oh, are we doing that festival again? Nah, we're not doing that one again. But then someone comes up with another one. There's, I think, three different chili festivals. We refer to it as the Chili Festival, and there's like three of them, I I believe. There's the Arts Festival. Uh, There's always something, and it's great. It's wonderful because it's a very walkable neighborhood. Everybody's very kind. It is a a great place to, to have a festival. Mardi Gras looked like it was thrown together in about 30 minutes, and I'm probably giving it 20 minutes credit. But they have a parade. People would get dressed up. People would go all around the Rosewood neighborhood, come back, and then bands would play. Now, let me tell you what, let me tell you how this works. I remember the first year I played, there was there's like a little house, and there's a we'll call it a stage in the front. It, it's just the porch. There's a stage in the back of the house. This house is probably twenty by twenty at best. And there's a stage in the back, which was just the back door. And then off a little bit, I'd say about 30 yards away, uh, 50 yards away, was another stage, which was like under an awning on some dirt. Uh, And then to the right of all this, this is the first year I played, there was another stage on a flatbed. And there's probably seven to eight bands playing on each stage at one time. And the whole neighborhood just comes in and they bring in food trucks or somebody's cooking on a big barbecue pit over to the left. Or it, it just looks like they just invited a bunch of people and they came. And every year we did Mardi Gras. It was, it was my favorite festival. It's simple. It was easy. And the music was great. And let me let me tell you what I loved about the music and the musicians. Tom would bring every now and then we'd get somebody that was passing through or touring through that was like, hey, this band's from Atlanta. Uh, they're pretty cool. I'm gonna get them to come in. Everything else was local bands. Everything else. Like, like Tom would just go around and say, Hey, I, I need some bands. And everybody wanted wanted to play. And it's we were talking about this the other day about the pay for this this festival. And I was like, I don't I don't remember ever getting paid. I don't think we cared to get paid. I don't think anybody wanted to get paid. You just wanted to play at this festival because you wanted to be at this festival 
And it's really funny too because a lot of us in South Carolina or in Columbia playing each other's bands. There was there was one year where I was playing with uh, it was Don Merkel the Blacksmiths when we were still together. We had a gig, and then my band, The Accused, had a gig, and then I had to go play keys on a couple songs for somebody else. And everybody was doing that. You just see they, the, the biggest problem is they had to make sure they didn't have a band playing on one stage where half the members were somewhere else. And it was hilarious. Nobody got so uptight. I mean, you always have your people that get uptight. But it was it was it was wonderful. It was brilliant. It was simple. It was flat out Tom, man. I've heard stories now over the past little bit of people that were close to Tom, very close to him. And they talked a lot about how he inspired them. And his inspiration came very simply. If it is basically this, if you think you want to do something, then go do it. That was it. You want to open a restaurant? You want to start a band? You want to write a song? You want to write a poem? You want to try some other business? You want to uh, quit being a lawyer and, and try being a, 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 an ambassador for your school? It didn't matter what the story was. Tom was supportive. But, but Tom wasn't just supportive. He didn't mind putting kind of a hand on your back saying, why are we still talking? Go, go do it. It's not that there aren't any failures in life, but they shouldn't be anything you even pay attention to except for learning a lesson as you continue down the road. But a barrier that kept you from going down that road, that's that's dumb. That's not what a failure is. That's Tom Hall. That's it right there. Always happy. Always supportive. Always wanting to make a difference. Columbia, South Carolina, we had a huge debate years ago, um, and it was something that was multifaceted for a lot of different reasons. And it, at its core, to me, it was simple. But to people on either side of the argument, I understood where they're coming from. Whether I agreed with them or not, um, I, I did understand them. Um, I didn't like the people that made it so simplistic. But I understood where people really wanted to uh, were really passionate about it. And it's, and it's this is the argument of us keeping the Confederate flag on top of the state house. It was something that most people uh, did not agree with. And they 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 pushed their local senators uh, to go against it. And there was huge content contention to keep it up. Uh, and it was it was a it was a big debate for a very long time. Um, you've heard Darius from Hootie talking about it quite a bit i think he mentioned it in a couple of songs tom hall was 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 one of the people that put it into action for it to come down and i love that because one of the things i love about tom hall is and i i don't know the full story but just so i i should watch how i how i build this up but let me let me just put from from anything that i've heard here's what i love there are people that have been talking about this for decades Tom Hall was just like, let's, let's do something about it. Let's let's you want to you want to take on the state? Let's let's just do that, please. It's funny. It's really funny seeing a guy like Tom Hall and and why he's important. And I can tell you in my life, he was important because he was fun, because he was a blast, and because he was a guy that just did it. 
And I love that about him. He just lived. And if he wanted to try something, let's try it. And if it fails, who cares? And if we want to do something, if we don't expect greatness, that's okay today. Pull the guitar out. Let's just start playing. Ugh. Sometimes as a musician, sometimes as a business person, sometimes as just someone who's walking around on this rock in the universe, you got to just take a moment and pop open a cold one and sit down with some people and just try a chord out. Tom's funeral was yesterday. It was held in a city that's just to the left of the middle of nowhere, South Carolina. It was, I think, like 30 minutes away from Columbia. It took like an hour to get there. It was a desolate farmland as far as the eye could see as you drive. It was actually a very beautiful drive, to be honest with you. I put on some good music that I thought Tom would like. I rolled the windows down because it felt good, and I drove to that funeral real quick. When I got to the to the turn, so I had, a, a, I had, I had about half a mile to go to get to the little church that it was in. I got to the, to the turn, and I suddenly saw cars everywhere. I was, I was shocked. What in the hell else is out of here? And I went to make the turn, and I realized there were cars parked on both sides of the highway all the way down as far as I could see. I was like, oh, crap. This is for Tom's funeral. I parked my car, and I started the half-mile walk to the church. A man in a Prius pulled up beside me, very nice man. His name was Yancey McLeod, the older gentleman who rolled down the window and said, excuse me, are you going to Tom Hall's funeral? I was like, well, what else are you doing on this road in the middle of nowhere? Yes, sir, I am. Well, hop on in. I was sure, I didn't want to bring my pickup truck. I was pretty sure I could squeeze this thing in anywhere. He was right. We zipped right up, and there was a spot right, like right by the driveway that was just big enough for a Prius to get in. I think it was the first time I've ever rode in a Prius. Barely fit in the thing. Got out, and uh, I stood with a buddy of mine, Michael Gooding, a guitar player for my band, and um, watched as the family processed in the very small wooden church in the middle of nowhere. They put some speakers outside so we could all hear. And they had to. And they had to use two of them. And they had to turn them up pretty loud because let me tell you, uh, there were that church, if I had to guess, could probably hold 50 people. There were hundreds, hundreds outside. Hundreds of people outside. I looked around and saw some faces that I knew, but I saw a ton that I didn't. I saw dudes in blue jeans and cowboy hats. I saw guys in hunting gear. A lot of men in suits. Few guys even had a driver pull them up and drop them off at the front. We all stood outside. This wasn't the family. These were the people whose, whose lives Tom Hall touched. I sat around there and looked at all of them, and women in very nice dresses, some women walking up in just blue jeans like their uh, rock star boyfriends, obviously, um, when I was looking at who they were standing beside. Just all walks of life at this funeral. 
my uh, my friend Michael and I laughed as like if you could get one one hundredth of this many people to show up at my funeral, I'll feel like I had lived a good life. The thing that I couldn't get over, and as I made that walk back, and I walked back, I walked back that half mile back to my car, um, and, and then on the drive back to town, I couldn't help but think about how amazing Tom's life really was. If you can touch that many people firsthand that they show up at your funeral, Everything else spreads out from there exponentially. Case in point, this show and you listening to this now. Tom's life was able to go out and make a positive impact, not just on all those, and there were a lot, but all those people at his funeral. But the people that we touch, the the positivity we put out, the things that we want to create that in turn inspire someone else and moves on and moves forward. That ripple effect is very important to understand because someone like Tom Hall, if you, if I mean, it's probably touched your life. I'll tell you this right now. If you're listening to this show, Tom Hall touched your life in some way, whether you knew him or not. Tom Hall has inspired some things that have come from this show. Tom Hall has inspired some of the things that I've done in music. Some Tom Hall has already inspired things that I'm going to do in, in music. There are legal experts out there. There are hunting experts out there. There's people from all walks of life out there that are spreading what Tom Hall meant to them. Michael looked at me during the funeral and he said, man, it makes you think. I knew that I knew that statement was coming from somewhere. It does. It does. It makes you think about your life. When we talk about legacy, we think when we're 80. Rarely do we realize that legacy has already started. And legacy, well... The building of a legacy has already started. It really starts and begins that legacy when you're not here anymore. And here's the trick to that. Tom was 55. When Tom woke up that day, he he didn't think that was it. A preacher yesterday gave the eulogy, talked about this. Tom didn't. He didn't think that that day was his life. On his drive home, he wasn't aware. Tom hadn't been sick for a long time. Tom didn't have a disease that he was taking medication for that he was worried could grab him any day. Tom had no idea when he hopped in that truck on that drive home that it was his last day. My sister-in-law, Jamie, had no idea that drive from home from work would be her last. That when she left that morning and kissed her son's face, that that was the last kiss she would ever give him. She had no idea. No clue. I don't say that to frighten you. I say it to help you understand that the things that you do today are going to affect people for a long time, even after you're gone when you have no control over it. I don't 
I don't know if this is true, but I had this burning feeling inside of me that Tom Hall never lived a day that he didn't sit down and purposefully enjoy something, you know? Like even on a bad day, if he had to look back at all of them, he can say, yeah, but I had a really damn good time talking to this guy about this stuff that day. Yeah, I sat down and read this thing. I watched this program. I went and did this. I went and called that person. I sat down and wrote a song. I played a song I hadn't played in years. I I feel like Tom would have said that because Tom's legacy feels that way. I'm going to miss Tom. I didn't know him that well. I I really didn't. But I'm going to miss having somebody like him in the world. Man, I hope there's more of them. Tom had some really cool people that were his pallbearers. Some of them, been, some of them have been on this show before. They're people that I, I hold in very high regard. Um, I hope they live, continue to live that legacy for Tom. But the reason I wanted to talk about it today is because um, it's something that I think we should all think about. Too damn often we care too much about failure. Way too often we care too much about all the responsibilities we have that we don't have a good time. Yes, it is great that my wife and I are going to be able to escape on a boat and get away and breathe for a little bit when she's been through an extremely trying time in her life. Man, I wish we had the ability to escape for 30 minutes during the day, any day of the week. If it's the two of us sitting around a fire pit, I believe that I believe that was a trait of Tom's that more of us should have and that any of us actually quite possibly could through practice and practice doesn't sound too bad to me. Saying Tom Hall's name in practice is funny, but I I meant practicing to be like Tom (laughs) because he didn't. I don't know. I don't know when my last day is. It's freaky to think that it could be today. I've seen a lot of death lately. It 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 makes you think. But I, I gotta tell you that deep in my gut it doesn't make me worry. It doesn't make me feel like I'm gonna miss out. It makes me wonder if I've done enough. What I think's great about Tom is doing enough doesn't really have to be a lot. It doesn't. It's inspiring a friend. It's helping them get their business started. It's telling them to come over. Hey, you got you got some music you want to play? Come on over to the house tonight. Let me hear it. Well, it's not right. Don't just come on over. Let them pull out the guitars and we'll sing. Helping people find their inspiration, believe in what they do. I just... There's not enough people out there like that. I hope that when I looked at all those people at Tom Hall's funeral, that what I was looking at were a ton of seeds that had been sown into those fields behind that church, that it was a ton of people that could take that little bit that they knew of Tom and promised themselves or maybe just were changed because of what had happened in the situation, that they were going to be like Tom from now on. 
that they were going to have a little part of that goodness. Not that they got to sit and mimic Tom. I'm not saying that. But they take that good part of those moments that they had, that thing, that thing that connected them and Tom, and they said, you know what, from here on, I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you that I, that I am. Yeah, I know in some ways I kind of do, but I want to do a little bit more. I'm going to do where it's a little bit less about me and more about someone else. I want to do a little bit more cheering. I want to do a little bit more picking up. I want to do a little bit more. Don't worry about that failure. Let's just keep moving. Those things. I want to find a way to do that. So here's the Tom. You can't see it. I've got a glass in my hand. Here's to Tom. And here's to the people like him. Here's to the disciples that he has. Here's to the way that he lived his life. The way he loved his people. The way he cared deeply about the things he cared about. The way he didn't pay attention to the things that he didn't. To the inspiration he was to people. Far beyond his comprehension. They throw the best party for you the days you can't be there. That was one of the best parties I've ever been to. Here's to you, Tom. Thanks for stopping by the bar. We've picked up your tab. But if you'd like to leave the best bartenders you know a tip, head over to patreon.com forward slash local bar and support the show. Any support is greatly appreciated. If you'd like to drop us a line, send your emails to chad at localbarmedia.com Thanks for coming in. See you next week. This podcast is part of a local bar media. For this and other shows, visit localbarmedia.com I know.